We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All right, what is going on, everybody? How you doing? Welcome to episode 560, Talking Buffalo Podcast, part of the Blue Air Network. I'm your host, Patrick Moran. Thank you for locking in. It is Tuesday. Well, it depends, I guess, on if you're listening to this or, or watching this. We're recording this Monday afternoon. As always, I'm joined by a good friend, writer, podcaster, social media personality, Joe Yurden, man. What's going on? How you doing? I'm doing great, Pat. Doing great. It was, uh, it was a, it's been a, it's been a good week. Got some traveling in, did some driving, um, burned ho- actual holes in my, well, not actual holes, but like wore my feet out so that they're still sore, uh, now. So yeah, lots of, lots of stuff. We'll, we'll get into it, but, uh, but yeah, it was, it's been, it's been fun. It's been a good time lately. That's cool, man. Uh, by the way, for people, again, we're taping this Monday. So if you're out celebrating it, happy dingus day to everyone. So you didn't grow up in Buffalo, Joe? No. no I think it's day a thing where you grew up? Absolutely not. No. <laughs> no. There. I mean, there's a there's a pretty sizable Polish population in in and around Albany, mm-hmm. Albany area. Um, but Dingus Day was never really never really a thing. I mean, we we had a pretty wide swath of uh, cultures around the area. Like, there's a big Greek population uh, in Albany. Uh, you know, one of my best buddies, his, his folks like came over from Greece. So like it got, got to see some of that experience. Um, you know, big Italian influence, uh, a lot of Irish, a lot of, uh, some German, uh, there's, there's plenty of Polish. I mean, there's some Polish in my family, but not enough so that we, uh, we had any, any kind of traditions. My family's too, we're too mutt-like. I think I say that in the nicest way that, sure. that I can, where it's the, the background is, there's a lot, there's a lot of European background in the, in the family, sure. but, yeah. um, but it wasn't anything where it was like, yeah, we were part of like the, uh, like the Polish church or anything. So, uh, but yeah, we, 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 we knew a lot of Polish stuff, but we didn't, we didn't have Dingus day. There was no, there was no kinds of that stuff around the area. Certainly not to, to any kind of degree that Buffalo does it. Right. Um, you know, spending five years in Florida, one of my favorite things would be around this time where it would be Dingus day. People I'd ask people in Florida and almost no one heard of it. And I got to be honest with you, man. I mean, you know, uh, I'm old and I grew up in the West side in the, you know, late seventies. I can remember some, and then mm-hmm. definitely in the eighties and on the West side, anyway, Dingus day was not a thing. Now I grew up in a, mm-hmm. you know, primarily a pretty diverse neighborhood, a lot of yeah. very Italian back in those days. Uh, some Irish, I'm Irish, obviously. Mm-hmm. 
of blacks, a lot of Puerto Ricans. You know what I mean? It's a very diverse neighborhood to some extent. It still is, but oh yeah, definitely. maybe it just wasn't a large Polish population on the west side. I guess is where I'm getting yeah. at. And as a result, like I quite literally, I was never exposed to it. And I had never heard of it. In fact, to be quite honest with you, man, it's probably been maybe the last 15 to 20 years or so where I even had heard of it. And I'm like, well, this is kind of new. At least it was to me. Turns out that it's not, though. I mean, I I've talked to people who have been celebrating this. People who are my age, and they've been talking about celebrating this since they were teenagers with their families going, you know, Love, Joy, and Kaisertown. I mean, it's all over now. Now it's such a big part of Buffalo. I mean, every bar has some kind of dingus day party going on right now. But even, oh, you know, yeah. back in the day where it was more Polish prominent neighborhoods mm-hmm. is where they would have these parades and stuff. And it's really cool. You know, I, I want to play a clip as kind of evidence that this has been around for a while. Somebody on Twitter sent it to me. I don't have the person's name to thank them. But anyway, Irv Weinstein legend at channel seven this has got it i don't know what year this is from but i'm imagining this is somewhere in the early 80s with uh irv mm-hmm. weinstein and this is a clip where they were talking about uh dingus day let me let me pull it up here make sure it'll screw this up and, and i'm gonna play this for you kind of yeah. entertaining here well, let me uh let me press play here we'll listen well our very own merrymaker mike randall is joining the fun going on right now at the chopin singing society mike Happy Dingus Day to you, Herb. Look, folks, it's, uh, it's kind of loud here, but if you're not celebrating Dingus Day, you're not going to believe what you're missing. It's tradition. Well, actually, it's a buffalo tradition, too, because the only other from just about everywhere. Oh, yeah! Richmond, Virginia. Rhode Island. And no matter where they come from, they're all here for a very good reason. I don't know. <laughs> get a little bit excited, get drunk in a celebration. Celebration is the key word. These days, most folks celebrate dingus by eating, drinking, dancing, kissing, more drinking, more dancing, a lot more kissing. And it's all topped off with more dancing, drinking, and kissing. What's a dingus? Dingus is right here. See? You hit every, all the girls, boom, boom, like that. That's a big dingus. That's a big dingus. Right. Okay, makes sense to me. It was back in the 16th century when all this dingus day business started. It was a time when a young man would smack a young maiden with a pussy willow to get her attention. <laughs> That's about the same way the Three Stooges got their start. There's one small thing to remember. You might want to get a good look at your maiden before you start the dingus. Did you bring your dingus with you today? No, I didn't, but I'm sure I can. I'm going to try to find one along the way. An extra one. There should be an extra one laying around here somewhere. Mark, I noticed there's no little fuzzy things on your pussy willow. What happened to them all? Uh, they got whacked off. Really? This uh, stick's seen a lot of action then, huh? Oh, yeah. Dorothy, it looks like your Easter basket blew up on your head. What is it? Uh, at about 3 o'clock, it's going to start up, and the chicks are going to come out, and there we're going to get chip, chip, chip. Sure they are. Sure they are. Folks, you don't have to wear a funny hat. You don't have to have a pussy willow. You don't even have to be Polish. All you have to do is come down to the Chopin Singing Society and celebrate Dingus Day. And if you do, you may find out what Vashwego Alleluia means. I'm not going to tell you. This is Mike Randall with the Channel 7 Live Eye. Back to you, Irv. Okay, Mike. <laughs> well, yeah, this has been around for uh, 
quite a while. Pussy willows. Man, oh, man. Boys smacking girls to get their attention. Not sure how all that flies nowadays. Man. Yeah. But, uh, oh, well, I, I mean, there's the squirt gun thing now, too, that I, I, I hear yeah. about that, where it's the girls fight back with the squirt guns, which, you know, hey, good idea. Um, boy, the the double entendres in that. And looking, watching back on it, it's like, that's yeah, from the 80s. Everybody's got a stash. So it's like, that's yeah, kind of like how it is now. The trucker hats are everywhere. It's kind of how, how it is now. <laughs> um, and uh, just... <laughs> Everything that everybody says is just can be taken in a completely different direction. Oh yeah, for sure. It's it's it just cracks me up, and it feels like it's a it feels like the kind of story that when uh, it was that Mike Randall was doing, he was like, "Dude, I'll take this assignment. I will run with it. I can't wait to get loaded while I'm doing this story and just <laughs> more going dancing, more kissing, yeah, like, more drinking." <laughs> I, that's. Man, that's uh, that's about as perfect a video as you can. You can yeah, I, I really, <laughs> I love looking at old school news videos from you know that's got to be thirty to maybe more 40, 40, yeah. 40 years ago. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah. So anyway, as you can see, it was certainly popular back then. I think it's spread a lot more, you know, yeah. in recent years. Maybe with the power of social media, has brought more. Um, power of, power of uh, attention to it i'll tell you a real quick story and then we're going to get into some uh sports talk here but so i bartended for a long time and i'll never forget this one time i got asked to bartend at a uh dingus day party i don't remember where it was it was somewhere in chicktawaga though i lasted less than a half hour just couldn't do it it was crazy wow so busy the the the, the squirting of the water guns all over the place the pussy willows the polo, the, the polka music, which is, I mean, look, mm -hmm. I love and respect all heritages and cultures. There's things to love about all of them. Not a big polka fan, though. I'm not going to lie to you, Joe Yordan here, man. Um, <laughs> it's tough for me to listen to. But anyway. I, the, uh, the polka thing is funny because I, I, I like accidentally learned about it because of Weird Al. Weird Al Yankovic because he, he like his history of getting into music was like polka and accordion playing and all that stuff and um you like you learn about a guy's history like that it's like how does this guy get into a career of like making you know parody songs and whatever and it's like no you got to start and doing like accordion work and polkas and nonsense because <laughs> his dad was a big polka accordionist i guess back in you know, back in the day it's, it's funny i'll tell you now again saint patrick's day is something that's popular all over the globe in Buffalo, people can make a very reasonable argument that at least in Buffalo, in the city of Western New York, Dingus Day now is just as big as uh, St. Patrick's Day with the people that go out yeah. and celebrate it. In fact, mm -hmm. my cousin and I, we, we argue, we, I mean, we're, you know, we're that, we had that relationship where we literally bicker and fight about literally everything. Yeah. And he was making a case to me that Dingus Day is actually more fun and better than St. Patrick's Day. And this is what he said. I'm going to read uh, his text. He goes, on Dingus Day, you can get a 48, 48 ounce beers for five bucks. I like that. That's they set cool. up shuttle buses all around the city to different parties so people don't drink and drive. That is true. In fact, I got family going out as we're taping this on Monday that are taking shuttles to places so they don't have to worry about driving. Uh, Polish food is better than corned beef and cabbage and potatoes. Don't know about that. Uh, that's up for opinion here. Polka yeah. dancing is fun. Uh, the weather's always better because it does happen the day after Easter. So typically you're talking about a full month of yeah. Buffalo weather, which can make a difference And the parade, not just bagpipes. It's more fun for the kids. Anyway, apples to oranges. They're, they're all fun. It's just, uh, 
it's really cool to live in a city that that takes something like Dingus Day where other people have never even heard of it, and it's such a big deal here. Yeah, that is not. I ain't going out. Uh, I can't do it. You and I are doing a podcast here on Monday, <laughs> but I I do look forward on Twitter and Facebook. A lot of the mm-hmm. photos and videos. It just looks like it's such a uh, fun time. So good for that, man. Yeah, it's uh, it, it's something else because I. I for me, like St. Patrick's Day is cool. I love, I've always liked St. Patrick's Day, not just, you know, from the adult mm-hmm. years on. I always liked it beforehand uh, as a kid because, you know, it's the leprechauns and, uh, you know, four leaf clovers and, you know, shamrock shakes and stuff like that for yeah. me. Like that was always cool. I uh, love Irish music too, by the oh, way. Oh, yeah. I Yes. Same. Uh, mm-hmm. Very much in the same boat there. Um, but like Dingus Day, like, you know, not learning about it. You know, one of my friends, uh, you know, my friend uh, Tom is, uh, is Polish. His folks are from Poland. Uh, and he and his family invited me over one year for Polish Easter dinner, which I, you know, I didn't know was a thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so I go over there and, and you know, his, his folks are making like, it's all Polish food. And I you know, never had really had like a Polish dinner before. I didn't know what went into it. You know, I knew pierogies, I knew, you know, glumkies and all that stuff. But like the full thing, man, it is, it is, a, it is, there's so much food. They do two, they split up dinner into two parts. Like you do, yeah. like, you have like, uh, like your appetizer hour kind of like you're just hanging around, you know, drinking or whatever. And then they're like, oh, hey, dinner time, you know, and sit down for dinner. You got all this, all this, you know, wild food around there. And, and it's like, oh, wow, that was really good. Great dinner. And then you, you go mm-hmm. kind of like lounge a little bit more, hang out and talk. And they're like, all right, dinner. We're like, I'm sorry. We had, I thought we had dinner. I'm like, no, 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 there's more <laughs> dinner. And I go, more. I, should I have saved room? And they're like, well, you yeah, probably should have, but you know, you Any, didn't. Oh, like there, there's that. So <laughs> it was, it's so much food, man. And like, I, I think I had more kielbasa in that day than I ever had. And it was like, you know, whole, like family homemade stuff. So sure. it's, it's really good. But there are some, there are some dishes, man, that are just like, whew, I, 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 like, I, you want to try everything because you, you know, you want to do that. And, you know, sure. he had like a lot of his family around there, you know, they're also from Poland and, um, there was this thing that I affect that is affectionately called meat jello, where it's like this gelatinous, clear gelatinous stuff, and it's got you know, it's got like a I think it's uh beef or lamb and it's got vegetables in it. And you're looking at this thing and you're like, is that normal? And they're like, oh, we have this all the time. It's very it's like the the kind of one of the standard things. And I'm like, how do you eat it? Is it isn't like jello? And one of his, I think it was one of his cousins used like vinegar to pour over it, and it's just kind of like melted away and i'm like this i can't do this guys i'm really sorry i i i want to try it but i'm like yeah. i'm looking at this like everything about it is just like the visually unappealing part of it but I, supposedly it's good but it's it, it's, right. it's it's a it was a really tough still is a very tough sell for me yeah well i'll tell you what man any holiday where food is involved is is, is always a good thing and like i said any any celebration where people are out having a good time and Using Mike Randall's words back from the 80s, kissing and dancing and drinking is uh, always a good time. So anyone out there who's celebrating Dingus Day as we tape this, uh, hope you're having a good time. You had a good time last week. Want to hit on this because you kind of mix some business with pleasure. Yeah. Uh, the Sabres played in Detroit last Thursday night and you kind of made, uh, well, you made a nice little trip. You made an event out of it. Joe went to, so let me try I got this right now. And you could, mm-hmm. I want to hear a little bit about each of these because I've never, I've never been to an NBA game in my entire life. Any team. I've never wow. actually watched an NBA game in my whole life, believe it or not. Anyway, so you went to Detroit, and on Wednesday night, you caught an NBA game, the Detroit Pistons game. Yep. Then on Thursday afternoon, 
you caught the Detroit Tigers season home opener, mm-hmm. which I would imagine was really cool. And then yeah. later that night, the Sabres played uh, the Detroit Red Wings in just an absolutely nail-biting, fascinating hockey game. So much fun to watch. Um, and we're going to talk plenty about the Sabres here in just a few minutes. But talk about that trip, man. Talk about uh, some of the things in Detroit and, and going to these games. I think that's really cool to be able to do all that on yeah. a one trip like that. Yeah, it was it was it was kind of cool that the schedule worked out that way because the uh, the Pistons game was their home finale and they're they're the worst. They're the worst team in the NBA this season. And we we got a pretty good look at why Uh, Mm -hmm. because the the Brooklyn Nets, they were playing that night. The Nets almost scored 50 points in the first quarter. They're up 47 something or other uh, with like a minute and 20 to go. And they missed they kept missing. They kept missing threes because, well, I mean, that's the league. But also they wanted to hit 50 in a quarter, which I don't blame them. I'd be doing the same thing. Just Mm -hmm. talk up a three hit 50. Everybody starts dancing. That's great. Um, But uh, but yeah, so we we hit that up. Uh, We did a little tour of the uh, the city, hitting up some of the some of the haunts that uh, myself and some of my buddies have have uh, checked out in the past and in in past visits. And for all of us, it had been a while, uh, since we'd been to Detroit for me, it had been since 2014. Uh, I don't know how long it's been for a couple of those guys. None of them made the, uh, any of the trips to see the bills, uh, last season, uh, this past season when they, uh, the bills decided to, uh, you know, rent a condo out for the week in the city. Um, uh, but it was, uh, my first chance to check out the new arena in Detroit, though, little Caesars arena. Uh, this was a, you know, brand new building took, you know, the, they, you know, they've got it. They got, they demolished Joe Lewis arena, which was, you know, I was always a great place to see a game. That place was beautiful, except, you know, built in like 1979, opened in 1980. So it was time. It's time to change things up. Mm-hmm. And this, oh God, man, you, you walk in there and it's, it's a, it's a lot of Detroit his, sports history. When you walk in like the, 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 the gate that we went in through, um, it had, the uh, the old Olympia, the Olympia was like the original arena in downtown Detroit, Detroit, where the Red Wings played there, like 30s, 40s, 50s, like back. We're talking way back. This the entrance had the original, and we were told this has the original letters from the outside of the Olympia building right there on the wall, all lit up. They wired it like how it had to be wired back in the day. It's everything is just like a total throwback. So you've got that greeting you as you walk in, and it's like, okay, that's cool. And then you've got uh, you've got like pictures of you got some of a lot of the statues that came over from Joe Lewis Arena that they had on the concourse. You know, it's Ted Lindsay, Gordie Howe, uh, Sid Abel, you know, uh, Alex Del Vecchio, like all of them. They're just kind of like placed around uh, mm-hmm. the concourse. The number of food and drink options you've got, ju- I mean, on the main floor is insane. Like there are there's a handful of bars uh, you can eat in there too. Like I guess it's a bar restaurant, I suppose. Uh, but like like two, three or four of those around the bottom. And there's like another two up on the upper level, which I was like, Oh, okay. We're, we're doing this here. All right. It's the <laughs> concourses are spacious. It's beautiful inside. It is an absolutely gorgeous facility. Um, you get inside the bowl and it's, you know, there's not a bad seat in the whole place. Um, they, uh, the, the, they have, you know, all the banners, the Pistons and Red Wings banners are hanging up all over the place, you know, retired numbers, you know, championship banners, all that stuff. It's all up there. Uh, and they can raise and lower them as, as need be. Uh, cause we got, I, we got to see them lower the banners as the, right before the start of the, uh, the Sabres game, because I looked up and I go, Oh, the banners, what's going on there. They lower them for the games to just kind of like add a, 
maybe add a little bit of intimidation. Maybe that's an intimidation factor. Just look up and you're like, oh, geez, okay, yeah, Iserman, all right, Gordy Howe, okay, Nick Lidstrom, okay. Um, and uh, it's just, it's an incredible, incredible thing. Going from, you know, Key Bank Center and some of the other arenas that I've been to more recently and going to this one. I mean, this one just opened up, what, two years ago, two, three years ago? It's really night and day between this and, and dude. It's and like Buffalo. you don't want to you don't want to go back. <laughs> you don't want to go back, but it also gives you an idea of like it gives you a lot of ideas of like things that they should do. Like I, they're kind of mm -hmm. limited what they can do because they're not they're not building a new place. Like that's just not happening, right? Um, and they're not going to fix up the place until the football stadium's finished, and then sure. you know, we'll see what happens then. But um, but like uh, you know, we sat in the upper level for the for the Pistons game and the seats uncomfortable <laughs> it was kind of kind of narrow seating i got a i got a big tank ass so like that that plays part of it too but um it's it's kind of compact up there it's i mean it's still it's it's cozy but like you go to sit down and like you, you kind of have to like angle yourself in so you fit like you're wedging yourself into the seat and you're like all right okay um but downstairs the entire 100 level all the seats are padded Padded, cozy, big, comfortable. Holy cow, man! I could have, I could have taken a nap <laughs> watching morning skate from from down at that level. I sit down and I go, oh yeah, this this is the stuff, buddy. This is this is the good stuff. So yeah, if you if you spend the money to sit in lower level for any of the games or events there, you're doing it right. But there was it was it low energy? The 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 fans with Pistons. I mean, they're they're out yeah. of it. Yeah, oh, anything yeah. they're trying to get a you know trying to win the lottery right now. How, how yeah. was the energy for for an NBA game? Again, I've never been to one. Yeah, it, it's it was a lot different. Um, just because the team is bad, it was fan appreciation night. So you know, there's a lot. You know, people are getting like posters and all mm -hmm. kinds of stuff like that. But it was you know they wore the uh, the '90s teal uniforms, the uh, the the flaming the flaming horse head stuff oh, okay. like that was kind of cool to see those in action um you know as opposed to classic red and blue piston stuff but um the you know the it was it was cool but like everybody's just kind of like yeah they suck you know you got people you know people sitting around us they're just kind of like heckling you know not not like out loud like shouting down to the down to the floor but you know just sitting around just like talking to their friends and just being like man this guy's bum can't do it like look at this guy taking a shot he's getting this guy's getting blocked by the point guard like come on man like this is bad but um but it, it's you know like there's no it's just there's not it's tough to get a gauge on the fans when it's like they're literally the they're literally the worst team in the nba this year yeah they're gonna have the best odds of winning the lottery and this is a big lottery too a big nba yeah. lottery this year too. if they get when if they get when Yama, holy smokes yeah. like there's a couple of guys that can play on that team, but you know it's still incomplete. And, and like the guy they drafted first overall last year was injured. Cunningham, so, yeah, Cunningham, yeah, he's he was out hurt, so it's like can't you're not really getting a that good a feel. Like it's a bad team, anyways. And then sure, you know, the best, you know, one of the still, best. Just the experience of being in the arena and going yeah. there. Now that's your first time in that arena. Yeah, and yeah. let me tell you, man. Like we, we, everybody seems to bitch about the scoreboard, Key Bank Center, dude. The keyboard, uh, the 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 scoreboard in Detroit is unreal. It is massive. It is a giant like video board type thing. Like it's like what they got in uh, Denver and Tampa and places like that. But it is, it's huge. But like it doesn't get in the way, which is really interesting because you'd think like you'd lose parts of the floor. Like mm -hmm. you're looking down, watching basketball. I mean, basketball is a smaller surface than hockey. Like you think you lose something of it because the you know the board would be in the way. Uh uh. 
like hockey i'm way, i'm above even like the top level for you know the press seating and i'm looking down i'm like i'm gonna i'm gonna miss some of the stuff now you miss part of the bench because you're not gonna, like that's unavoidable you're up that high like the angle's just not gonna be good but you don't lose any of like the actual game action part of the floor with this board and if you did look up and you're, you're gonna see everything because it's because they just they run it up on the screen and you're you're good to go there it's dude it's it, it's a spoiling kind of thing where you get a look at like what the others have and you're like dude why don't we have this mm-hmm. like why don't we have one of these things above why don't we have comfortable seats or why don't we have a massive scoreboard you know you can't do much about the concourses and like having restaurants in the in the, in the whole place or whatever but like there was you know there was uh art and you know photos everywhere of just you know p- you know past present pistons players red wings players all over the place like it was you knew who you're there to see and you knew who you know ran the building and who was there um and i know that's not something that's even around key bank center like you don't see pictures and and displays of anything of current players anywhere and i i know it can be tough to do that because guys you know it's been kind of a turnstile here lately but man oh man it's 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 a phenomenal phenomenal building which i mean for 900 million in public money it better be <laughs> right now so you go to an nba game on wednesday night you get up early mm-hmm. you go to uh the detroit tigers home opener what was that by there's nothing better to me than when you're a baseball fan opening day because you always have that optimism and that hope, well, maybe not quite every team, but right. a lot of teams do. You know, you have that optimism. Mm-hmm. This could be the year where everything comes together. You know, these young guys step up, these veterans, you know, fill holes, and they play well, and our team's going to be competitive. You always have that optimistic point of view early on. So opening day. How was that? What was the weather like, too, as well on, um, on opening day? Because I remember, I didn't look it up, but I do remember there were some games, weather was causing rainouts and stuff, and I thought of you. I'm like, man, I really hope. You know, that would suck if Joe's in Detroit and, you know, the Tigers game gets postponed. They're open, yeah. but it didn't. Uh, so what was the weather like and what, what was that experience like? It was it was a little on the cool side. It was it was still sunny with clouds. Um, I don't think we saw like any blue sky, but like it was bright. It was, mm-hmm. it was a pretty bright day. Uh, there was a little bit of wind. We're, you know, we're sitting up in the 300. So, you know, it's, it's a little brisk up there. Who did they play? Uh, they played Boston. Boston. That's right. So yeah, I couldn't avoid the Red Sox, unfortunately, but, um, (laughs) but it was, uh, it was, it was really interesting being there because opening, I guess the, the home opener in Detroit and, you know, not a Tigers fan, so I don't know these things. Home opener in Detroit is like, it's a big deal. It is a very big deal there that, uh, it's like something where the city comes together. Everybody, you know, everybody, you know, if, whether you're a super fan or you're a reg, you know, just kind of a casual fan everybody's got some tiger shirts or jerseys and they, everybody's got hats. They're breaking them out, breaking all of them out to either go to the game or hang out. Like people are tailgating outside, uh, ahead of the game. Lots, you know, lots of folks with the, with the back hatches of the trucks open. They got grills, the smell of sausage and peppers everywhere was incredible. <laughs> I can tell you that much. Um, but it was, it was a ton of people. Like it was, I, I forget what the attendance was, was listed. I was uh, like 41,000, 42,000, maybe. Um, big crowd really big crowd and like tigers stink like you know they they got out early you know the the bullpen melted down and and gave up a lead very quickly in like the fifth or sixth inning and you know tigers lose so like 
you know, it's kind of standard standard operating procedure for for Detroit baseball. Yeah, they're, they're two and seven. I had to look it up as you were talking. Yeah, yeah. They're, two, they're off to a pretty shitty start. Two and seven. Yeah, and, optimism uh, quickly gone. Oh yeah, I I don't even know how much the optimism was there to start the season. <laughs> to be real, um, they I mean, there's a couple of guys that might be good, like uh, Riley yeah, Green. Uh, he's Riley he's Green's pretty good. Torkelson. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Spencer Torkelson's another one where people are high on him. So like. I think that I think like a guy like him got brought up really quick and it was like, all right, buddy, you're our hope. And it's like, all right, well, I'm like still stupid young. So give me, give me some time to adapt here. But um, it's such a cool, it's a cool stadium though. Like, I mean, there's a lot of history stuff for, I mean, for a new place and Comerica yeah. is pretty new, um, but lots of reverence for the, for the team's history, which you have to, I mean, it, you know, you've got, you've got a team that's been around since like what the 19, 30s 20s 30s something like that it's you have to have that um so lots of stuff about you know al kaline charlie Geringer, hank greenberg all over the park really cool to see stuff like that like i'm a baseball history stuff will get me like going on that so i like, i it was it's very neat to see that you know ty cobb stuff too like it's just mm -hmm. it's every it's everywhere and um i've never yeah, been to I, the new park i went yeah. to the, i was at tiger stadium but it was before uh, it opened in 2000 I'm jealous of that because Tiger Stadium would have been very cool to see. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's 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 a nice park. I was I was there once before, but it was for the Red Wings Maple Leafs uh, alumni game during the uh, the Winter Classic uh, when the Winter Classic was at uh, Michigan Stadium in Ann Arbor. Um, they had an alumni game there, which was nuts. To the, think of all the people from Red Wings and Maple Leafs history that you could put out on the ice at some point. That was that was really cool, uh, and then you know. You're, you're talking, you know, I'm in media, so I'm talking to guys after the game and you walk in the, the Red Wings room, which was the Tigers, you know, it was the Tigers dressing room, but um, you're walking around and like, there's, you know, there's Steve, oh, there's Steve Eiserman. Oh, there's Nick Lidstrom. Oh, there's Sergey Fedorov. Oh, okay. That's cool. Uh, Slava Fatisov's here. All right. Igor Larionov's here. Like, okay. Oh, there's Red Kelly. Okay. Mark Howe's here. Like, it's just name after name after name after name. You know, guys that are in the Hall of Fame or guys that will be in the Hall of Fame, like, just awesome to see that. And it's not like the Leafs brought a bunch of bums. Like it was, you know, you're, you're getting your Wendell Clarks and uh, your Daryl Sittlers. And I think Rick Vive was there too. So it's, just, you know, lots of guys and lots of names, but to see a baseball stadium with a hockey game going on, it's cool, but it's not the same. It is, is a totally different vibe. The weather is better in baseball. Um, and just the buzz of a stadium when it's a baseball game is so different. Um, just because like, you 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 get close to the park and you're just kind of like all right it's baseball time all right yeah like there's a you know there's like the there's a certain vibe to the place when there's a game going on, especially early in the season when it's you know people are still kind of like oh let's see what they do this year not you know not in the middle of August when it's like Jesus they're 40 games out like this team stinks you know <laughs> you know you're doing that kind of stuff but um but yeah it's uh, it's it's a nice it's a nice joint man it's it's worth going to check out and like if you've got a favorite team that's not the Tigers. Chances are you're going to be able to get tickets pretty easily. For us, we had to pay, we had to pay a lot <laughs> for yeah. these because it's well, it's opening day. It's the opening day, and it's the one day that's in demand. Like it's the, it's the one day, like all the, like I said, all the uh, the non diehards just want to they want to show up and and see the sure. team and be like, yeah, we were there, cool. And then they take off, and the diehards are left behind. Boy, that sounds. That sounds familiar, doesn't it? That sounds very. It, de it definitely does, man. You know, I'm really. I'm I'm rediscovering my love for baseball. It's kind of fallen off for me the last couple of years. Mm -hmm. Um, but I'm really like it's early, you know, only like 10 days or so into the season, but I'm 
I'm really locked in, man. I'm following teams, although I did not know. In fact, I tweeted about this on Monday. I did not realize Tampa's 9-0. You pointed out they haven't really played anybody yet. <laughs> and changed, I, I think they, they got Boston this week. So they're starting to, they're going to start playing some, you know, better competition. But, yeah, but, man, I'm I'm, I'm pretty locked into uh to baseball. All right, so now you go to the game. And, again, mm-hmm. this is you just having fun and being a fan. And you got to kind of switch to work mode. So, I don't know, man. Going to a baseball game is a pretty big deal. Going to a hockey game is a pretty big deal. And you're doing both literally in the same day. So. Yep. But you shop over right from um, the park to back to the arena. I mean, you didn't really have a lot of time, did you, to really kind of go from, all right, I'm having fun chilling mode to, oh, shit, man. You know, <laughs> I get some work done here. I'm here for a, a reason as well. So, uh, so uh, we stayed at we stayed at a hotel that was a little closer to where the uh, the river is, uh, where yeah, you can look across and you see Windsor, like you see uh, you, know, you see the big Caesar's Palace Casino across the way, and you're like, oh, yep, there's Canada, it's right there. Mm-hmm. Um, so we stayed there, and it was I forget what what the distance was walking wise, but it was not a long walk whatsoever from there to go up to the stadium and the arena because the stadium and the arena are maybe a couple blocks apart like it's oh, really? really it's real close okay um so like i you know i was walking everywhere um i because <laughs> because the day we, we left uh wednesday morning and it was you know we were going to be driving through like pouring rain it was going to be you know water everywhere so i wore boots i didn't bring another pair of shoes with me stupid don't do that <laughs> because i walked in these boots everywhere and my feet got tore up like just absolutely tore up so Learn from me. Wear wear some good some good shoes that you like walking in because it wasn't going to cut it for like a few days because I did a lot of walking from the hotel. Like we walked from the hotel up to uh, the arena for the Pistons game, and then we you know we walked around downtown, uh, going checking out. You know, we go have you know we had pizza at Buddy's Pizza, which is a must go. Have to go to Buddy's Pizza when you go to Detroit. Uh, checked out, you know, went to a handful of bars afterwards. It's all walkable. It's all very walkable, and I know people get spooked out because it's Detroit. Dude, downtown Detroit is just is like walking around downtown Buffalo. It's like you'll walk around and be like, where is everybody? And it's like, no, everybody's holed up in the bars downtown. So right. Um, so it's a lot like that, but uh, but like that day, uh, the day of the the Tigers game, I you know, mind you, I was going to Sabres morning skate before that. So that, that was at eleven thirty. Oh, that's right. Yeah. So, you know, I I start there, you know do all that stuff. Couldn't bring my computer with me because MLB bag policy, the, my computer bag is like three times the size of what's allowed at a, at a, at a baseball stadium. So I was like, well, forget it. I'm not bringing that. Um, which if there was breaking news, I would have been totally screwed to write something if, 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 I had to, if I had to do something there. But, um, but like went from there, walked, you know, the handful of blocks over. I had my stuff with me for the game. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I just went right for right, right over to the game. Uh, it took forever to get inside because uh, the security theater to get in, you know, to get into the stadium. Like there's a giant pack of people. It's like 10 minutes to one. Like there's uh, thousands of people still outside the stadium. And then they're like, oh, crap, we got to get everybody in. So they're just kind of like, all right, let's hurry up. Let's move it along. Still missed the first pitch, like the ceremonial first pitch, which was really cool because it was uh, Charles Johnson. Thanks. That's that's great. Wouldn't wouldn't want to see him. Um uh, uh, blah, blah, uh, Ben Wallace from the Pistons and Nick Lidstrom from the Red Wings, and then they all oh, invited. Wow. Yeah, then they all invited Miguel Cabrera to come out because it's Cabrera's retiring at the end of the season. He's got to go Hall of Fame. Sure. Uh, they invited Cabrera out, so all four guys doing the ceremonial first pitch, which is friggin' cool as hell, man. 
I was standing outside waiting to go through the metal detectors while it's going on. <laughs> yeah, I, that, that, I walked inside. My buddy's like, oh, did you see the first pitch? I go, no, I didn't see anything. They're like, oh, you would have liked it. And I'm like, would I? And they're like, yeah. So they show a replay on this on the screen. I'm like, son of a bitch. Come on. <laughs> like, couldn't get me inside. The, like we see that, you know, the uh, the plane flyby goes over while we're outside and we're just like, this hurried up with this stuff like this this happened this happened last year when uh i took my dad out to cleveland and pittsburgh when the yankees were yankees were playing in both places and it was just stupid long to get through just getting patted down and walking through you know metal detector i was like for, for, for fuck's sake man come on like how does this take how does this take forever and like i know some places you don't have a lot of people working there but like i don't know man i saw like all the people working the booths, there was at least like one or two people behind them just kind of standing around doing nothing. I'm like, can we just hurry this up? Can we just get inside? Like, I, I, there's no reason for me to be standing outside the stadium for 25, 30 minutes to go through a metal detector. Like, get real, dude. Um, but yeah, go to the game, you know, hung around for the whole game. Obviously, we, you know, a bunch of us like, you know, some went, went to the store to buy some stuff. I uh, went down to like the lower level to get a look at the field because you just, you know, just kind of fart around a baseball stadium. Sure. Yeah, yeah. You know, got some pictures down there. Like that was neat. And then we walk out, and I forget like about what time it was. It was about like 3 30, 3 40. So the game went quick. First pitch was 110. It was beautiful. Like it's pitch clock yeah. magic. Um, so I walked down back to the hotel, shower, change, walked my happy ass back up to the arena, get back uh, and got and was into I was up on the media level by about six, six o'clock, five, you know, five forty-five, six. Somewhere around there, couldn't have asked for a better thing. Like for me, being a working idiot, you know, in, in trying to do all this stuff, probably dumb because I wore myself out horribly. Um, but yeah, it's extremely doable. You stay some, you stay in any of the hotels downtown, you'll be able to walk to any any of those places. It's it's awesome. Detroit is set up really good now, and it's it's one of the classic Rust Belt cities. You just want to see them come back. You want to see them get better and and then and have it get revitalized. And man, oh man. And like there wasn't even football going on this time. Ford Field is right behind Comerica Park. Oh, like, really? That in mind. Like they, all three places are like right by each other now. So, you know, if if ever there's a time when all if all four teams could be playing, get the Tigers into the World Series or something, you could have you could have a weekend where you could take in all four teams at once, which would be nuts but but that's now the bar set for me because now i gotta try to see if i can do it sometime <laughs> we'll be right back folks we're driven by the search for better but when it comes to hiring the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all don't search match with indeed indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? 
you need Indeed. It's happening daily. We're being conned by the institutions we used to trust. The mainstream media is distracting us with meaningless headlines instead of focusing on the harsh realities facing American families. Time is short before something big happens, and that's why so many folks are preparing. They're becoming self-reliant by investing in emergency food storage from My Patriot Supply. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure four-week emergency food kits for each member of your family. Each kit contains tasty breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Save $50 on each four-week food kit you purchase. Plus, get free shipping on Ready Hour four-week emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour foods. At My Patriot Supply, you can also get solar power generators, water filtration units, heirloom seeds, and survival gear. Order by 3 p.m. and your unmarked boxes ship the same day. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com All right, I am back with Joe Yurden from Noted Hockey and also Bandit State Podcasts. All right, so now you're in Detroit. The game itself, I'll tell you, so I did a show last Thursday night at Imperial Pizza with uh, Joe yep. DiBiase from WGR. And we started at 8. We started taping uh, or streaming, I should say, at 8. Mm-hmm. And it's like we couldn't – I don't think we could get through five minutes of talking without somebody scoring a goal. You know, you hear the crowd, yeah, you get hear, you know, a bunch of claps. Mm-hmm. Or you hear some – collective groans every you know because it was just such a back and forth game mm-hmm. what an absolutely exciting game and i'll tell you man if nothing else this year my biggest takeaway from the sabers and we'll talk about hope and progress and all that stuff this team has been flat out fun to watch mm-hmm. there's been a lot of fun freewheeling hockey mm-hmm. um when it comes to the buffalo sabers this year and, I, and i'm going to give them a lot of credit dude because I think they had only won two of 12 at one point. And this is when they completely kind of fell mm-hmm. out uh, of realistically fell out of the, mm-hmm. the playoff race. And I remember a couple of weeks ago, I admitted this to you on this podcast. They were playing the devils on a Friday night. And I caught, I found myself in a weird position to kind of room for the devils because I told yeah. myself, I'm like, this team's got a better chance of winning the draft lottery at this point than they do making the playoffs. So, you know what? Lose some games there at the end. They won six of the last eight. Now, I got a point to sell, too. We are taping this Monday afternoon. If you're listening to this in podcast form, the Monday night game against the Rangers is already going to have been played. If you're watching this on video form, oh, this will be dropping on YouTube sometime during probably later into the game. So depending on when you're watching this. But anyway, we're talking before uh, the Sabres even play. But yeah, they've won six of their last eight. Um, they, They've made these, but I guess with four games left and it's dingus day mm-hmm. the, the the buffalo sabers are still alive on dingus day and i'm telling you man i've had a hard time remembering the sabers playing a game that matters on saint patrick's day you know you know i compare these mm-hmm. holidays like i was jokingly doing earlier in this show but when it comes to the sabers saint patrick's day hasn't meant shit in quite a while now we're here at dingus day and these games still mean something. I'm going to put up on the, the screen here right now. If you're watching on the YouTube side, this is already. So no matter how this plays out over the last four games, this has been one of the Sabres' best seasons in a decade. They're at 85 points. Um, was it 89 was the, la- the, the first year that they didn't make the playoffs. They finished with 89. And again, the Sabres still have uh, these last four games to go as we're taping this. But uh, 
I don't know, Joe. I, I mean, it's one thing to to have fun watching the games and be an entertaining brand, but you know, as you can see, they're competitive, and we're, we're not for some better goaltending at points during the season, and certainly playing better at home. You know, it's gonna be talking about a different story right now, but uh, yeah, I know your thoughts because this team's just uh, they're compelling. I, I, I'm interested with this team, maybe even fascinated to some extent. It's uh, it's the first season in a long time. Uh, and I, I don't know if last season kind of applies to that, but like we're we're at the end, and I'm like, I don't want the season to be over with. <laughs> you know, like you're you're. I've been enjoying this group to watch them so much and to be around them as much as I have. Mm-hmm. It's a real joy to be around like this group. And you know, I, obviously, I've said this forever: winning makes everything better. You know, you win you win games, everybody's happy, everybody's feeling good. Um, it's just it's just the way it is. Uh, you have to be a, it has to be a really special, miserable situation to, to win a lot and have everybody still be mad about everything or mad at everybody else. Like it has that, 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 that's that kind of thing. But, um, this is, uh, it, it's, it, it's, it's, it stinks that we're, you know, I mean, listen, we're weirder stuff, but they need some really weird shit to happen to, to still make the playoffs. Like they're, they're on the precipice right now. Like they, they, they need, they need the Islanders, Pittsburgh and Florida basically lose everything the rest of the way. And then they have to win every game. So, damn. yeah, I'm really, I, I've got a possible dream, you know, like, um, I've talked myself out. I mean, to yeah, no chance of that, but I still. think that's safe, but right. like, you know, you watch a game, you know, watch a game like the Detroit game and you're like, Okay. (laughs) Like the Carolina game was a, was a great, I think that's a great one to hang their hat on because Carolina still had a lot of stuff to play for. You know, they're trying to, they were trying to lock down home ice through the first two rounds. Mm -hmm. Uh, Nobody's Boston's got it locked up through the whole playoff. So like they're not getting, they're not getting it all the way through the East, but first two rounds. Yeah. That's a big deal because they're duking it out with the, with New Jersey for it. So like they're playing for something and uh, you know, but you know, Buffalo's playing for their, you know, the, the, the playoff lives and, and all that stuff. So like, that's a big deal. They eliminated Detroit too, right? With that win. I think that officially knocked out Detroit. By the way, Joe DiBiase bet the under. I just want to throw that out there too. <laughs> he bet the under in that game, 13 goals and Joe had the under. It was kind of funny watching it with him. What was that? Like seven and a half, I think was. Uh, yeah. Was yeah. Line, I think it was. Yep. Yep. Yeah. 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 He bet the under. So it was, I kind of got a kick out. Whoops. I, <laughs> I think the, let's see. Uh, the under was done uh, in the third, in the second period, at the end of the second period, it was, is already yeah. over. <laughs> and then there was still four more goals after that. Um, but yeah, it's uh, like that, that game was, that game was a special kind of nonsense, really. Um, because you know they came back, they were down two one. You know Thompson gets that first goal out of you know, give him you know a millisecond and he's going to score, and that was that kind of that was that kind of goal. Remember that game? It was kind of up in the air whether he's going to play or not. Uh, you yeah. Know, uh, I don't think he's uh, did he skate that morning? Nope. I don't think he skated that morning. So yeah, he did because um, I didn't think he was going to play after I saw that. I remember thinking right. that. And Olafson was working on uh, one of the power play units, which is usually a tip off that, you know, a guy's going to be in, but that, you know, with a game time decision type thing, that's, it's different, but, um, so like, you know, Thompson plays, then they get down two one, they give up a couple goals and they come right back. They get up what three, uh, they come back and score with three straight, uh, you know, <laughs> which is kicked off by the Yoki Haru goal that started a whole 
thing where the entire, you know, all five guys in the ice for Detroit were pissed off at Jeff Skinner. Skinner, yeah. And man, oh man. I, <laughs> I've never seen a guy before uh, like NHL level, even, even college level, like, you know, something like that happens where everybody's just, you know, making a beeline for this guy. Cause they thought he wronged Lucas Raymond at the, the start of that play. Like they collided it in mm-hmm. the zone, you know, looked very accidental. I mean, if usually if Jeff does something and it's not accidental, it's kind of easy to tell that one looked like it was pure accident. You know, they fall on top of each other and Raymond's immediately mad about it. And Skinner's just like, dude, like you saw what happened. Like this is whatever. So like Raymond's chasing after him. Uh, then they score, you know, Yuki Harrier scores and Raymond is just going at Skinner, just barking at him. Larkin jumps in and, you know, everybody's just, you know, Henry. And I think it was, I think it was Casey Middlestat, maybe, maybe Tuck were like celebrating the gold and they turn around like, Hey, what the hell? <laughs> and they, you know, somebody jumps in and like pushes Skinner away. and Skinner is skating, is getting pushed away from these guys. The whole rest of the Red Wings roster is trying to get at him. And Skinner just puts both hands up in the air, celebrating the goal in front of their face. I've never seen somebody do that. Like that—that that is an instant like fuse lighter, like powder keg. Everybody beat your ass. I've come to realize, Joe. Never, man. I've come to realize that if Skinner and Darlene are two guys that you love, they're first of all they're great hockey players. Mm-hmm. So I'm not talking about the hockey skill part, okay? Right. You love them the way they play the game and chirp. Mm-hmm. You love them on your team. But if like Darlene or Skinner were Bruins or Canadians or Maple Leafs, oh, you'd hate you would them. hate them. Hate them. Like, you hate to play against those kind of guys. I kind of mm-hmm. feel like, do you agree with that, Skinner and Darlene? Yeah. Both of them, that's kind of like, oh, yeah. Probably like a lot of the league probably hates these guys. I mean, you love them because you're, if you're in Buffalo and you're a Sabres fan, which I am, oh, sure. you know, you, you love the guys, but. You, you hate their guts. If if they're not on the Buffalo Sabres, I'd hate them. Yeah. Uh, with Darlene, it's more of a recent development, like within the last couple of years where he just started, started acting kind of like a shithead, you know? And I yeah, say I that, it, I say that lovingly. That's not like yeah, me. Being like, I know I, what you I, mean. Everyone knows what you, you know, mean. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. Turn it up and, you know, kind of, you know, kind of leans the hip in there for, for a check a little bit, you know, mm-hmm. close to when a whistle's got to get blown. Like that's kind of stuff gets people pissed off. It's, it's Marshand ish. Like, right. they, like these guys haven't done anything that's like genuinely dirty, you know, like they haven't, you know, taken somebody out of the knees. They haven't done anything like that. So it's a great example, not, though, not, what you just said, Marshan, but like it's close. It's a player, it's though, the same playbook, how Sabres feel about him, how they feel about Brad yeah. is probably how Bruins fans and other fans feel right mm-hmm. now about Skinner and Darlene. Yeah, for sure. And, and, you know, and Marshan's an incredible player. People oh. never want to admit that. Like, they're just like, that guy sucks. He's a piece of crap. And I'm like, yeah, well, he scored like. Scored like 30 goals like multiple years in a row. And mm-hmm. and he does all this stuff that gets everybody pissed off at him. Like it it's it, you know, it, people started calling him the little ball of hate, which is Pat Verbeek's nickname. And I'm like, it's kind of like the proper heir to that name, nickname, because he's the same deal. Verbeek fought more people. Verbeek was just a hothead too. Uh, but Marchand is just a little, little bit Kenny Lindsman could throw that name out from like way back in the day. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Nicknamed the Rat. Like that was, it's kind of what he does. But like Skinner, Sk- I would love. I would pay. I'd probably pay twenty five dollars for a Skinner mic'd up. That is just, you know, it's not for you know, not for public consumption. Just let me hear it. I want to hear what he's saying to guys. I want to hear what guys are trying to say to him. 
I get. Uh, I think uh, I think Raymond was caught on you know a camera lip reading was like you're such a you're such an effing baby to Skinner for whatever reason. I mean Skinner Skinner complains for calls quite a bit, quite quite a bit. But he's got a he's got he's earned he's he has and he's earned a reputation for uh, diving. So I, I mm. get it why he doesn't get a lot of calls. I understand, but like the just I've never seen an entire team go after a guy and not for a dirty hit like not for like an injurious hit not not any of that stuff just guy running his mouth and then celebrates in front of their face like does that and then you look over and casey middlestad is getting pounded on by jake wallman for no good like casey didn't do anything on that play and maybe he said something but like wallman just grabbed him and started pounding on him and i was like What's going on here, man? Like the Red Wings just like lost their minds in that moment. It was it was something else. I was um yeah, we were waiting. I was like, please let me see the replay. I'm like, why is everybody going after Skinner? I would have thought mm-hmm. he hit somebody with his stick or did yeah, something really foot. yeah something dirty. Filthy. He did. You know what my favorite part about that game was? All right, so again, I'm at Imperial Pizza doing the show. Shout out Imperial Pizza and uh Joe DiBiase had done the show and he left not long after and I stuck around. You know, packed up. And I'm watching the end of the game. Obviously, it goes into overtime and it goes into a shootout. And I'm at that place a lot. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the fans are fans. They're, they're all right. It's, it's not the rowdiest bar when it comes to Sabres hockey games. Yeah. But anyway, during that shootout, and this is kind of leads to the Devin Levi factor, the buzz about him, whether he plays out of his ass or whether he's playing shitty, there's just a buzz about him right now, you know? And I don't know. You could just tell. There was about seven or eight people left at the bar because it was getting near closing time there. And um, so the shootout happens and Detroit scored on the first shot. They, the guy beat Levi. They talk got stopped or whatever. But then Quinn scores and then Thompson scores and Levi needed to make the save to win the game. And he did. Mm-hmm. And the crowd that was at Imperial started going nuts. And I'm like, been kind of a while since I've heard that kind of enthusiasm over yeah. a win. And again, this is a team that for them, all intents and purposes is pretty much out of the playoff race, you know, at this point. And things got to go perfect for them over this last week. Probably, almost certainly not going to happen. But anyway, my point was just the excitement from fans with that shootout and with Devin Levi being on this team now, which kind of leads to a, the, the question I was going to ask you. So again, we're taping this Monday afternoon. Certainly seems like Devin Levi is going to play. No idea. Maybe he's going to play great. Maybe when you're listening to this, he just got shelled for five, six goals. Who the hell knows? But are you a little surprised that uh, these games that still do matter, because they do matter, mm-hmm. that um, Granado keeps going back to him, um, playing him a lot down the stretch. So I remember, if I would have asked you this two weeks ago, you, Lance, Lazowski, Mike, whoever it would have been that I asked, you probably would have said, yeah, he's probably going to get a game or two. And uh, that was what this is going to be, his fifth. They start now on Monday yeah. night. So, I mean, mm-hmm. a little bit surprised that they're going to him a lot. And I'm not complaining. It's certainly mm-hmm. not a complaint. I'm there's a tiny bit of surprise um, just because you don't know what you're going to get from him. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, you know, I, I've talked about this all the time. It's a big change. It's a big, big change going from college to pros. Like, that's a that's a big friggin' deal. Um, and he didn't play for three weeks. I need to throw that out there, too. Right. He went three yeah. weeks without playing a game before his first start. Right. Because, you know, paperwork and, you know, yeah. all that stuff. Like, it just took forever for it to get you get done and get squared away and, you know, pract- needing to practice, all that stuff. Um, but he's, there are there are a lot of saves that he's making where you're like, whoa, okay. 
All right. And then there's some other ones where, you know, if you've if you've watched this team all season, or even if you just watch a handful of games that, that have come on plays where you're like, eh, I don't know if filling a name here is is making that stop. You know, um, mm-hmm. there, there are a lot of those kinds of saves that he's making. The Detroit game, I mean, Detroit game was just just such a bonkers game. Like, I mean, you're gonna have games like that in a season. Like it's you know, I'm not gonna fault him. I'm not gonna fault him on that. He made when it, when it came down to crunch time uh, in overtime and the shootout, he makes a save with like five seconds left yeah. overtime that it was okay, buddy. <laughs> okay, man, <laughs> you got that one. And then, you know, he gives up the first one in the shootout, but then the next two, two great saves uh, to win it. So I, you know, coming up in the moments, any goalie will tell you that all they want to do is just give their team, team a chance to win and, you know, stop the puck. However you have to do it, stop the puck. Um, and he's done that. I mean, he's done that pretty clearly. I mean, we're talking, uh, what's the, f- the fewest I'm looking at his numbers right now. The fewest shots shot shot on go- shots on goal. He's faced in a game was actually that Detroit game, uh, 32, every other uh, 33 in his, in his debut, uh, 36 against Florida in a game that, that that's the one that stings, but like you couldn't have asked for better from you know, no. two goals, two goals against like hard game, tough game. And then he faced 34 against Carolina. Like that's it's not light work, you know. And no. like, you know, you're looking at that. that, that those are th- three of those teams are playoff teams, you know. And they're, he's going to get the Rangers again tonight. So you know, four out of five teams are playoff teams. Is it surprising that he's getting the call? Maybe, but he's played great, and like it's consistent great. Like if he was, you know, if he goes, you know, balls out against the Rangers, and he's, you know. Hey, you know, you're just kind of like, whoa, okay, great debut, awesome, and then he gets bombed on by the Panthers the next night. Like, all right, well, you know, you don't really have this, you don't really have that encouragement. But he played great against Florida, like, yeah, absolutely great against Florida. And, you know, the, the Detroit game, you could be like, well, you know, maybe he's getting a little tired, maybe it's this, maybe it's that, you know, whatever. Uh, you'd think like yeah, maybe it'll be time to go to somebody else on, you know, on Saturday, and right back to him. It, the tip off that surprised me, right. And and there there was some disagreement. I say disagreement, and it wasn't like angry disagreement. It was just kind of different schools of mind uh, because they had a very light practice Friday after they came back from Detroit, uh, and leave, there was a handful of guys that just didn't skate maintenance days. Word up, maintenance days. Ah, um, <laughs> good plug. Yes, and, I bitched uh, that by the way last week. He said maintenance <laughs> day and didn't plug the podcast. I yelled at. Yeah, him. It's, it's my bad. I I got back on the train there, but yeah. Uh, but Levi was one of the guys that had a maintenance day. Word up, follow. Um, and some people thought they're like, ah, well, you know, it's because he played last night. They're, they're going to go with Comrie Lukanen, you know, against Carolina, and that'll be that. And I'm like, I don't think so. And I was like, he got the day off because he's going tomorrow. Because otherwise, you know, the, all the talk they've done is that they want to get him reps. They want to get him as much, you know, practice time as possible, all this. And I'm like, he's getting the day off day before an afternoon game the next day tells me he's starting because they want him to keep the, you know, just stay fresh. Cause it's a lot of games and you know, in a short amount of time, but it told it, like it signified to me that they were going to go back to him on Saturday. And sure enough, they did. And so they're still in the race. He's the guy that's kind of keeping them in the race. You're not going to go away from him. I mean, it's tough for the other guys because you know, Craig Anderson's back now. So it's tough for the three other goalies they have, but, um, but you gotta like, he's, he's played too well. And, you know, we're, we're like, what? Uh, Comrie hasn't played in almost two weeks. 
Lukanen hasn't played in like a week and a half. You know, you're getting up on a time where it's like, well, these other guys are rusty now. Um, they'll play, they'll get a chance to play once they're officially knocked out. I think, I mean, well, I have to imagine one of those guys is going to play, uh, Tuesday night because I, I can't imagine giving Levi back to back games and then, right. you know, day off Wednesday. And then you got two more games. If they're still in it before those last two games, they got a really interesting decision to make. I, I think it's an, I think it's an obvious one. Like the, they would just go back to Levi, but like this is Anderson's last week. Probably in the NHL, I, you know. Uh, I think Lance Lance or Greg Wyshynski uh, pointed out that uh, Anderson's family is down in New York with them. So, like, probably going on, probably going to be around for like the whole week. You know, just see Dad's last run for months. It seemed like this Ottawa game was going to be Anderson's start, former team. You know, home finale, like right off in the sunset. Great story. But like, if they're still in it, I don't know, man. I don't know. Like, it, I mean, Anderson's been their best goalie all year, but also he hasn't played in weeks you know, since that. Wow, the hell, the the friggin' one of the blowout games they got were you know wasn't really his fault uh, that they got bombed on. It was just the team let him letting him down in front of him. But, um, but yeah, this is uh, this is fascinating. It, it's fascinating to see it play out this way. But I mean, Levi's Levi's kind. I mean, he hasn't been around all season, but. Uh, Everything that he did at Northeastern and every you know what he's done already in Buffalo, you have to say he's kind of earned it, right? Yeah. He's just got he's got that star buzz, man. And it just see it with some players and some sports. Look, I'm not saying the guy is gonna be the Derek Jeter of hockey by any means, but you just knew Derek Jeter was gonna be a star. It's just something about him. I feel the same way uh, about Devin right now. And again, I'm not saying he's gonna go win multiple vets and trophies or anything like that, but he's gonna be a star. And going in the next year, I'm telling you right now. He's starting the season in Buffalo. I don't give a shit what anybody tells me, including you, Mike, Lance, whoever. I don't care who it is. Dude is going to be in Buffalo. First of all, he's the best goalie on this in this organization right now, period. Mm-hmm. And it would be a PR disaster for him to not start the season in Buffalo, especially if he continues to play yeah. the way he is right now. Um, we'll spend some time in, over the next couple of weeks talking about the goaltending situation because I do think it's going to be fascinating to see over the offseason, how things play out, if who they might. I know Anderson's going to retire, but what happens with UPL and, and Comrie? And by the way, I said UPL, not Omar, for the first time on this show in like a <laughs> month. So credit to all credit Progress. to me for that. The one, the, the one other guy I wanted to hit on with the Sabres, you've been banging this drum with this guy for a while, so I'm going to give you a lot of credit for it, man. I have not. I remember early in the season, a lot of people talking about kind of how we are where we're at now with Olofsson, we just, you know, bench the guy, put him in the press box. Mm-hmm. A lot of people were talking about Casey Middlestat deserving to be scratched. He wasn't doing shit, even though that wasn't completely true early on. It just, you know, numbers certainly weren't reflected at all. But this guy has been really good. I mm-hmm. think, and, and again, Skinner and, and Darlene and Tage and Tuck, those are your star players, whatever. Cousins has emerged. But mm-hmm. one of, to me, one of the best developments of the season for the Sabres is, is Casey Middlestat. He's up to yeah. 53 points. 41 assist. He's very solid. I'm long-term. I'm talking about on that third line, who knows who will play with next year. But anyway, again, if you're in this organization, you got a lot of confidence in, in Casey Middlestay, man, this kid is really, really come on. It's, it's something else. Cause before this season, he I'm counting up the numbers. I think he had 85 career points going into the season. And now 
you know, now he's now he's he's up over 130 career points by having you know 53 this year. He's tied his you know, he tied his career high in in goals for a season uh, the other the other day other night because uh, he got up, he's up to 12 now. So uh, you know, when you pick a guy eighth in the draft, the the expectations are super high. Sure, like, that, you know that's just natural. Um, although when you look back through Sabers draft history, of guys they've taken at number eight. So great because two of the other ones are Alex Nylander, or Rasmus Ristolainen. So, like, you know, I would argue that the bar is set kind of low mm-hmm. <laughs> from, from that side of things. Um, but for for Casey, man, it's it's impressive. I don't think there's an appreciation for how hard he works because because when you watch him, uh, you know, you watch him play, everything just seems kind of there's not like that outward like uh, visible effort. Where you know, you, like you sometimes you'll see a guy like run through the wall to hit somebody, and you're like, "Oh yeah, that guy's trying. Oh yeah, he's he's killing." It. Or you you know you you hit a slap shot 110 miles an hour, and you're like, "Oh yeah, that that guy wants it bad," you know. Or you know, mixing it up after you know after whistles and just being like, "Oh, this dude really needs it." Um, he's that's not the sort of guy he is. It's not the sort of player he is. But man, he is. And Granado said this multiple times when we're you know we've all asked him at different points what's changed with Casey and it's the, and he's, he's like, it's, I hate the phrasing, but like he, he said, it's the compete. It's the competitive level. And he is a ruthless competitor, like just an absolutely intense competitor. Like he wants, he wants to win everything he's doing. I mean, uh, what was it? There was a video they showed, uh, <laughs> it's a silly video, but it was, uh, Darlene and Middlestat. Like they're, they've been buddies forever. They used to live together, you know, for a couple of years. Uh, and they were playing like some goofy, like putting, you know, gator putting game. Like, you know, it's like one of the silly in between period videos. And both of those guys are intensely competitive, especially against each other. And Middlestat was just roasting him. Like, and Middlestat's a basically a scratch golfer. He's an incredible golfer. Um, so like, he was just roasting Dolly. And this is goofy, like toy putting stuff, but he's just killing Dolly on this stuff. And he's just like, well, you know, Hey, it's too bad, man. But it's like little nudges like that, where it's like, you know, what makes Dolly mad? Cause he wants to win. And, but Millstat's just calling, kind of like, whatever, man, I'm gonna beat your ass in this, you know? And it's like that. It's sort of like a quiet cockiness, a quiet confidence because, uh, cause he has it. I mean, it's, it's absolutely there, but like he's stopped and it's kind of a page out of the Dolly book. He stopped, uh, stopped giving a shit what other people think of him. And he's, I don't, he hasn't phrased it like that. He hasn't said it that way. It's just, he wants to keep doing better. He wants to keep, yeah. and he just keeps doing it. And like he's, he's become, he's become a guy that's a lot harder on the puck. He's, he's much better defensively. He's a great passer. Like, I mean, you don't get 40 assists in a season while being able to be able to dish it out, but like, he's a great passer just in general. He's got an incredibly good shot. He just doesn't use it enough. Uh, you know, again, Granado will, will just kind of be like, man, if you can get him to shoot more, I'll put you on the staff. And I'm like, What's the contract on that? Can I can I get that to work? But I, you know, but I am, but it's just everything he's done has been to shake off how hard it was those first few seasons because it was it was tough. I mean, it's you know, it's different coaches, you know, uh, and this isn't just the hanging out Ralph. This was going back to uh, Housley. I think he was here for uh, he was definitely here for Phil, but um, but like looking back to like uh, what was his rookie season? So yeah, it was Phil. Um, like that's, you know, you, you go through a couple of coaches, obviously Ralph was, was whatever, but, um, 
but like it just you know it was tough to kind of break through but then once don once don got in and 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 took over things started to change with him and he got very serious about improving himself like you know diet wise workout wise all that stuff he's cracked down on it in a big way and then you know he gets hurt last season you know like game one of the season he gets hurt and it nagged him for months months and months and months and then by the time he came back you're like he's not looking too bad fast forward to this season the first maybe month and a half or so maybe two months very hot and cold extremely hot and cold where you know there was a point where we're throwing victor and casey in the same boat going like what are they going to do with these two guys right they're both playing terrible at five and five how is this going to work you know they add tyson jost and things started to turn around a little bit there but um but Casey got his confidence under him. And when you play with confidence, you, you play, you play better. Um, but it, for him, the talent's been there. It's just about focusing it and getting, you know, bearing down and getting ultra serious about it. And he has, like, he has a hundred percent and it, it shows in the results because, you know, you, you start thinking about, you know, you, you lose Tage Thompson for a few games and you're just like, Oh, geez, well, season's over packing in mm-hmm. game over. Um, Middlestat jumps into that that role with 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 Skinner and Tuck, and they were immediately pretty good. Like you, you, obviously, you lose the goal scoring threat with with uh, without Tage there, but Tuck stepped that up. Skinner stepped that up. Yeah. You know, Middlestat's distributing to him, and they're you know things are you know kept kind of going. And now you know Tage is getting a little bit of a rest rest from having to play center, playing on the wing, and that's working really good because it's gotten. It's gotten Cousins back going again. It's got Jordan Greenway playing well. Um, it's it's these little little things that that go where it just gives guys a lift. And for Middlestat, this is completely this is not necessarily a reward for what he, the work that he's done, but like this is what he's earned. You know, uh, he's earned that shot. I mean, you tell people three months ago that like Thompson's Thompson's got to get hurt, Middlestat's going to take over. They're like. Well, where you know, where in the top five are we picking in the draft? That's that's what everybody would say. Yeah. Uh, but it's been really good. He's played really well, and now you're now you're in a spot where you're looking at it, going like, well, you know, they're gonna have to find a way to like kind of trade him for like maybe a fifth, sixth, seventh round pick. Now you're like, is this guy gonna is does he made a case to stick around with the rest of this group for for you know for the next few years? You know, like that's that's the spot that they're that they're in with him because you. You start, you know, you see the guys doing well in Rochester. You see Kulik doing well. You see Savoy doing really well in juniors. And you start thinking about like, well, whose spot are they going to take in the Sabres lineup? And, you know, it was pretty easy to circle Middlestat and Olofsson and, you know, uh, you know, well, Pozo because he's, you know, maybe he moves on, maybe he retires, who knows. Um, but you start circling these spots. And now it's like, you're not circling Casey anymore because he's, wow. because it's hard. It's 50 points in a season is, is hard to get. Yeah. Look back in some of these previous seasons. Now, granted, the league is a little different, so whatever. But uh, fifty points in a season would probably make them what, top two, top three on the team in scoring. Like <laughs> you know, like it's it's that it's that kind of thing. And you know, not being you know, he's not a defensive liability anymore. So like this is this is turning into uh, as good a development as as you can find with with him because you use. Jeez, I mean, just like a couple of years ago, maybe even before this season, people were thinking like, "Well, that's it's the first rounder they missed on." Pun on it, you know. Forget it, just add it to the list. Now it's like, well, he's a pretty good NHL player now, so you know he's not, you know, maybe he's not what you expect out of a number eight pick in the draft, but 
I don't know, dude. He's, top, he's working him up pretty well on the top line and one of the, the highest scoring teams in the league. So uh, seems good to me. Hockey's not like football. I've learned that, man, where a lot of these young guys, man, you got to give them some time to develop. Yeah, when it comes to Casey Middlestead right now, I'm like, he's either going to be a good third line forward for this team or he's a, he's a legitimate good trade chip if you're going to make a, say, if you're thinking about making a major deal, everyone wants to deal all of a sudden. Well, what are you going to really get for him? You know what I mean? Like Casey Middlestead could be the centerpiece or a big part of a potential blockbuster deal at, at some point. Uh, I'm just saying, well, minus a miracle, next week we'll be putting a wrap on the uh, on the Sabres season here. Before we get out of here, a couple minutes, football talk. O- Odell Beckham Jr., one year, $15 million guaranteed, up to $18 million with Baltimore. What was going on there, man? It's seriously. You don't make that move if you don't plan on having Lamar Jackson be your quarterback this year. I just so I I, I would have bet about a couple of weeks ago. I would have bet that Lamar was probably gone, but now I'm like, mm-hmm. I don't know, man. I'm glad he, the Bills didn't sign him. By the way, I don't yeah. think he would have been worth that money. So I got no issue with Buffalo not paying that. Mm-hmm. That's outrageous money. I mean, a lot of people around, around the league really surprised that he got yeah. that much money, man. It's uh, isn't the like the Jackson situation kind of like a Aaron Rodgers light sort of thing, except you know Lamar hasn't been a weirdo about it for years. Sort of, yeah. They haven't really, kind of, they haven't really given him a lot of you know weapons. To no, work, you know, I mean, there's been a lot of injuries and stuff that's that's held them back, but there hasn't been like a big receiver there or nope. you know huge running back for him to work with. There isn't any of that stuff there. It's just been like Lamar. Lamar the best receiver he's ever had now. Even though even if Obeck Odell is not what he used to be, which mm-hmm. word on the street is he doesn't have that juice that he used to, but he's still going to be he's going to be good and Bateman's pretty good and they got Andrew. So there's some there's some mm-hmm. weapons now for Baltimore. Yeah. I don't know. It just it's just weird to me because I thought that I would I thought that they might have traded him. Now maybe yeah. who knows? Maybe they just he signs the tag ultimately, and they revisit it in a year. Yeah, I don't know, man. Yeah. Then um, again, maybe maybe that's why it's only a year for Odell because they're like, well, we'll sign. He's like, I'll sign that tag. I'll be around for a year. Then see ya. I I, see I I have a strong feeling that nobody offered him within the. I'm talking millions of dollars, not like a million or two. I'm talking like five to seven million dollars more mm-hmm. in Baltimore uh, than he would have gotten anywhere else. Let me. Isn't that kind of stupid though? Like this dude won MVP just a few seasons ago. Like he's great. I mean, injuries are an issue, but like for people to be like, I don't think he's worth it. I'm like, and you look at who the quarterbacks are and some of the the you know the executives that are saying this stuff, and you're like, really? You don't want that guy? Like Atlanta coming out immediately being like, no, 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 we're not going to pursue him. Like you, really? That that you're that team. You're going to say no to him? Okay, sure thing, guys. Yeah, I'm I'm surprised too. Like just get lost. I'm surprised. I mean, I don't know. We're not inside, you know, team boardrooms and who knows in terms of guarantee money that he might be looking for because he does have an injury. I mean, you can't discount mm. that. I mean, oh, it's, yeah, you know, it's pretty significant. But yeah, I'm I'm surprised that there's not more interest or, uh, around the league or, or maybe there isn't. We just don't know about it. You know, a lot of times nothing happens, nothing happens. And then boom, mm-hmm. out of nowhere, a, a something, you know, major happens. I want to pull up before we get out of here. Our friend Joe at Buffalo Wins on Twitter is back on Twitter, by the way. His hiatus is Lent break is L- over. Lent and hiatus, yeah. Always, always one of my favorite times of the year is when Joe disappears on Twitter for a good month. But uh, 
he put up something on Facebook and just want to get some quick thoughts from you on this. And again, with the Sabres ending now and the draft coming up, we're going to start to shift more towards more football talk on here in the weeks ahead. But uh, Joe put up this take on, on Facebook. He says, I know there's still some time left, but the Bills offseason has been, as the kids say, mid. Some okayish signings, but nothing that will make me say they can overtake the Bengals and Chiefs. The Bills, to me, aren't better than what they were last year, and that's what I keep coming back to. Maybe they'll add a stud in the first round who can contribute right away, but their rookies tend to ride the pine more often than contribute that first year. Um, what what are your thoughts on that? I I, I half agree. I think half of what he says is right, and and half I don't. Um, and I want to get your opinion because that's a pretty pretty strong take. Yeah, it, it, um, I mean that's a I. Joe never comes weak with the takes. <laughs> First off, no, he doesn't. I'll give him credit for that. Whether he's incredibly right or absolutely mm-hmm. talking out of his ass, he's gonna say what he feels. There's no doubt right. about that. So I always give him credit for that. But I don't know. What do you think about that statement? Uh, you know, I, I think I, I hope I would hope that everybody knew they weren't going to be able to make a big splash free agent signing. Right. I I would hope everybody understood that because. There was huge questions as to how many other own guys they were going to be able to retain. Never mind add, uh, you know. And I know they've you know they carved out some salary cap space, which you know you can do that in the NFL. But I don't know. It's it it looked like they're they addressed a, a lot of depth parts because they know where where a lot of the weaknesses are or where potential weaknesses may pop up. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, but, you know, certainly defensive backfields one of them. You you can't. You can't not prepare for that now after what happened last season, but right. um, they, uh, you know, I don't, I don't know if they really. I think if you were going to hit anything really hard on the Bills side of things, I would think it would have been O line and maybe somewhere in the front seven, well, the traditional front seven uh, on defense. But uh, I mean, they had really gone hard on that, so I, I kind of agree. Like, it's just it's not eye popping. Maybe it's one of these things where you get these guys in here and like, it just solidifies everything. And you're like, okay, good. We're, we got the square. This is, this is nice. Um, and you're relying a lot on guys who were hurt last year to come back and, and be close to, or at what they were before. Certainly with Hyde, I think, you know, Trey white, you're hoping, you know, full off season to work out and everything will be good for him. Um, and you're, you know, you're hoping, you're kind of hoping that a lot of the guys that were really good last year could come back. You know, Von Miller, you're hoping for him to come back, you know, same as the same as he was. Uh, and a lot of the guys that played well, you want them to like repeat that, which you know, we know in the NFL, it's not always, it's not always going to happen, but um, I don't know. It, it, I, I get caught up because this is a team that was so good last year. They were what? 14 and three, 14 and three, four, Thir- no, well, 13, 13 and three, 13, 13, right, right, 13 right. and three. Yeah. They get they had the oh, whole right. game. But still, and they lost those games by eight points, Joe. All three right. of those losses, eight points combined. Right, and I'm I'm sure there have been statistical breakdowns that show, like you know, maybe some of those wins could have been lost. You know, whatever. It's in the right. end, the box score says they went thirteen and three, and that's what counts. So they're still a great team, uh, and you know, maybe you don't need to tweak a team that's like that. It's it's a lot harder when you've got Cincinnati and Kansas City in your conference, and. You can you can not make the AFC title game because you run into one of them beforehand. So like, there's that there's that part of it too. But I don't know. I, it's very it's very confusing for me with the Bills because 
yeah, they're they're gonna be they're gonna be really good again, and you just need. I don't know. It's easy to say, well, they just need to do these things, but you know, I think there's, I think there's some questions of whether or not you can have faith that they'll be able to do those things again. And I think that's, I think maybe that's more where this, that kind of um, opinion comes from, because you're just like, they went big last year, they signed Von Miller and they fell short. And it's like, well, you know, freak things happen, whatever. Um, You know, they go kind of soft with it this year and you're like, ah, nothing's impressive, but no. Uh, maybe, you know, maybe it's, maybe everybody, you know, the, the guys that you need to come back healthy do, and the guys that you're, that you counted on to be big players last year, uh, you know, can do that. And, you know, they can block for Allen a lot better <laughs> than they did for, you know, the second half of the season last year. You know, it, it's a lot of ifs, but there's, I mean, there's, there's no guarantees in the NFL, no. there's zero guarantees in the NFL. So I, to me, if you tweak too much with a team that does that well, you're kind of playing with fire, but I'm, unless there's obvious problems, which I mean, for me, for Buffalo, the obvious problem was the old line, but you know, there's only so much you can, I mean, I don't think, I don't know how much was out there free agency wise, but you know, there wasn't, you know, they, they, they didn't, they weren't in a spot to be able to splash a lot of money for that either. So uh, I don't know. It's, I think it's, I think it's, <laughs> I think it's very cautious pessimism on Joe's part, which is a weird phrase. Um, because he, because he'll go hot take and just start saying, "Ah, this team's done. Forget them." Uh, but yeah, uh, but I, I, I can understand anybody, whether you're, you know, an optimist or a pessimist on this team, being very cautious about it either way. Because I, I look at them and I go, "They could be really good. They could be the best team in the in the NFL, or they're gonna, they're, they're, you know, they're gonna come back to earth a little bit and they're gonna struggle." And you know, suddenly you're looking at, you know. Maybe not a shoe in to win the division. May, you know, maybe they're going to run into Cincinnati or Kansas City in the first round, and then you're like, well, "Okay, well, what the hell do you do then?" But I don't know, man. It's, it's. I mean, we're we're talking about this in the beginning of April. <laughs> I know. know. Let's see what happens after the draft. You know, like let's well, see what, what comes away there. I I knowing Joe well enough. I I know he thinks that the salary gap is a complete myth, and no matter what Brandon Bean said, I think mm-hmm. in part he comes from a place where saying. They could go get themselves a Vaughn Miller type every year. They could go. They could go trade for DeAndre Hopkins right now, despite what the cap looks like. They could make a big move. They could trade for Delvin Cook, James Cook's brother, something like that. That's what I know he's come from. And again, I I agree with his first sentence and his last sentence. Rookies tending to ride the pine more often and contribute their first year with the Bills is accurate. I think, in part at least, that's because they also draft at the end of the first round. So, t- you know, rookies tend to be right. brought along slower. Plus, he's also going to a team that's good. So you don't got to throw a guy in there. You know, no disrespect to your squad who's on the come up now big time. But Detroit picked six in the draft and 18th in the draft. That's six damn right now. They should get two starters, assuming they don't take a project quarterback, you know, to develop. Point being is that they're probably going to, you're more likely to play when you're a top 10 pick, a top 15 pick than you are 27, 28 in the draft. I think any position that they draft at, even wide receiver right now, except for middle linebacker, if they were to take Jack Campbell or Drew Sanders, I think that's your day one starter. But any other position on this team, first round pick is not going to be guaranteed to start because there's not a lot of starting jobs open right now on the Buffalo Bills. So I do agree with them with that, but for, I think, a different reason. Um, And him calling the, the free agent period mid, off the offseason so far mid, I, I do agree with that as yeah. well. I do think 
They upgraded at wide receiver in terms of depth. They lose Beasley and Brown, who were way, way past their prime. And McKenzie, who was good, but like incredibly maddening, inconsistent, made a lot of mistakes. Let's just put it out there. Um, Trent Sherfield's a good player. I like I like Deontay Hardy. So they've added to the, I think they've upgraded there. I think they've upgraded somewhat at guard. Anyone's going to be better than what Roger Saffold gave them last year. They're right. running it back on the defensive line. They lose Jermaine Edmonds, and that's big. So, yeah, free agency's mid. But what I don't agree with, um, overtaking the Bengals and the Chiefs. You know, the Bills, when I mean, he says the Bills aren't better to me than what they were last year, I don't agree with that at all. Because, not because of who they added, but you hit on some of this. You get Vaughn Miller back next year. You didn't have him at the end of last year. You got Micah Hyde back. You did not have him pretty much all of last year. Mm-hmm. You at least get a fresh start with Jordan Poyer, who was a wounded warrior by the end of the season. You got Trey White, who should be night and day better this coming season than he was last year. He was just not nowhere near 100%. So you got a lot of good players that you expect better health from going forward. This team is right there right now with the Bengals and the Chiefs. You got to just play better. Again, they lost three games by eight points. Mm-hmm. There's a bad taste in our mouth because of how badly they got beat up by the Bengals in the playoffs. And I get it. I would say right now the Bengals probably are the better team, but the Bills are right there with the Chiefs and the Bengals. I never came into this offseason expecting them to, you know, have to do some kind of overhaul. You said it, the word right. tweaks. They've made some tweaks and they still might make some more tweaks. You're, I don't know. So you're going to hate this comparison, but. Uh, right. This is, it reminds because I'm a hockey brained person, mm-hmm. uh, it, the Bills situation reminds me a bit of what it is for the Toronto Maple Leafs right now. Although, Agreed, to, for the most part. I, bar, the bar for them is get out of the first round of the friggin' right, playoffs. right. You know, the, different, different bar, but like the same, the goal is the same. Like it's Agreed. Talent all over the place. They should be better. Yep. You're, you're and, 100% right. People ain't going to like that shit, but you're right. right. But like, you know, last year they lose in the seventh game to Tampa Bay, you know, and people are, you know, yeah, it's like the what the second, third, whatever, third, fourth year in a row they lo- lose in the first round. You know, second, I think it was second year in a row they lost to Tampa. T- no, it was Montreal before that. It was a weird season, but, um, but like, uh, you know, it, it, it's it, you know, it's seven games to a team that you know would, was going that ended up going to their third straight uh, Stanley Cup final. Uh, who has the, all that experience, all that stuff, and you're just kind of like, and everybody's like. They gotta they gotta tear some of this part, don't they? Because like it's clear none of this is working. Like they, you know, they keep losing in the first round for XYZ reasons. And I, the big thought from everybody was like, no, 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 they're really close. Hold it together. They're really close. They'll be back there again next year. Well, you know, they are. They're gonna be playing Tampa again in the first round. Um, they're gonna have home ice for that, for that whole series. So there's no excuses. And right. if they don't do it, then there's going to be a lot of changes there. I think the Bills might be in that, might be Agreed. in a similar position this season where, you know, it's all, it's almost all the same guys. It's, you have all the same great player. The great players are still there. I agree. Know, and, you know, guys coming back from injuries, whatever. But like, if, if they fall short again, because I mean, listen, everybody in the AFC is trying to catch up to them and Cincinnati and Kansas City. So like, free agency is nuts in the AFC. Agreed. So everybody's trying to get better. Um, you know, Miami and the Jets are probably going to be better. You know, all, all these things. We've talked about this a thousand times. So it's going to be harder from those those teams from behind are going to be pushing you a lot harder. But like, you have more talent than them. You are better than them. Just beat them. 
Like, I mean, easy enough to say, but like, you're one of the three best teams in the AFC. You got to break through at some point. You yeah. know, you can't just keep saying like, oh, well, lost to them again. Oh, well, they beat us up. Oh, what can you do? You know, you can't keep saying that every year and keep kicking it down the road. And then suddenly you're looking at Allen being 10, 11 years in the league. And you're like, wow, we didn't do shit with him. What did we do wrong? And then it's very easy to see looking back. I, I You know what? I hate the comparison, but I think that you are absolutely correct. There is no excuses. And Brandon Bean's not going to be in danger of losing his job if the Bills fall short again. I don't think Sean McDermott is getting fired. If the bills fall short again, there's going to be a lot of, you may a lot of fans mm-hmm. publicly showing their uh, disapproval of, of what is going on if they can't get past the divisional round. And put it this way, and this is how we'll end it for this week anyway. You got the draft coming up in a few weeks, and then after the draft, you got about a week or so where there's a handful of decent name free agents that are still out there that a lot of teams say. I want to see what happens in the draft. And if we don't get what we want in the draft, we'll turn back to you. So roughly like a, a week or so after the draft is usually for the most part when the offseason's over in terms of teams adding, you know, players. I'll bet you anything you want to bet right now. The Bills at worst are one of the top five betting favorites to win the Super Bowl when this process is over after the draft. Oh, yeah. They'll be in the top five for sure. So be, I would think like yeah, there's pressure. There's no question about it. Again, maybe Bean's job's not in jeopardy. Maybe McDermott isn't. But there's definitely pressure on this team. And we'll talk about that, like I said, in the coming weeks. Draft's coming up uh, in a couple weeks. Make sure that you uh, subscribe to Joe's Noted Hockey. It's notedhockey.substack.com. Just five bucks per month, 50 bucks per year. Can't go wrong with that. Check out Maintenance Day Podcast. Joe and Lance Lazowski from the Buffalo News every week, breaking down the Buffalo Sabres and hockey around the league. Thanks, buddy, man. This was fun. I'm a little bit envious about your Detroit trip. Um, Maybe I'll kind of book something like that myself someday. Go see multiple shit in 48 hours, 24 hours. Yeah. Yeah. It, <laughs> listen, it's a tiring day. It's a long day, but it's worth it to, to do it. To, to see three major league sports in one day or in a day and a half, pretty great. Yeah. All right, guys, I will be back with another episode, Bill's Mock Draft version four with my buddy Aaron Quinn tomorrow.